Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program. Big show for you tonight. Voice of the Jags, Frank Frangie up first, and we'll have John Harris with me talking to Frank, and D.P. City is going to come in, and we'll talk about what the Texans are up to individually and also discuss the division, how that's changed, how the other teams in the Texans' schedule have changed with free agency. And we remind you that the Texans are not done with free agency. In fact, reportedly signing Daniel Fells, tight end, former Cleveland Brown today. They have not announced anything yet, but you've seen the reports, and Fells more of a blocker, big tight end. He can catch the football, but he's more of a line of scrimmage kind of guy. But as I say that, watch, he'll catch a bunch of passes from Deshaun Watson next year. We'll see how he fits in. Right now, time to find out how Deshaun Gibson fits in, how the Jaguars are looking, the rest of the division. So we welcome aboard Frank Frangi, voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Frank, great to have you on. Tell me, Gibson, what is he bringing to the Houston Texans? Mark, good to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Uh, he's good. He's, he's smart. One of the smartest three safeties I've seen. He also can cover. That's the one thing that gets lost a little bit about Deshaun. He can, he can certainly in a in a uh, man under cover one. He sees the whole field. But if you need someone to cover your tight end, in fact, he did a great job on Gronkowski when they played here. They played a lot of man coverage, and it wasn't Barry Church, the strong safety. He kind of backed up and was the center fielder. And Deshaun went down and covered Gronk man to man and all that man and did a great job. So he's smart as heck. He's a very good tackler. He's a very good free safety. I hated to lose him. I, I don't think they wanted to lose him here. It's just he can't pay everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And so they had to make some decisions. But that was that was the heart of all the guys they didn't re-up around here. Deshaun was the hardest one. Mark, he's a very good player. You're going to love him. Frank, Nick Foles becomes the Jaguar starting quarterback. And from a city that struggled with quarterback for so long until we were able to get Deshaun Watson, we kind of understand what it was like to kind of live through the ups and downs of Blake Bortles. Now they go to Nick Foles. What's been the reaction? What's your thought on it? What's been the city's reaction to Nick coming in? John, I love it. I love the fact that they're bringing him in. I thought, given where this team is, it was a perfect find. Look, they're re- the Jags are really good on defense, regardless of what happened last year. Last year was a, was a, was an abomination of a season. We all know that around here. But they that defense is legit, despite the worst offense I think I've ever seen. I mean, it was that bad last year. They still finished in the top five in both scoring and total defense, which is pretty amazing. Being that they sat down for about 10 seconds and got a Gatorade, and then after a three and out, they ran back out there because that was kind of their season, right? So as bad as that offense was, the defense was really, really good. And so they feel like they can win right now. you got to rebuild some pieces on offense. But if you think you can win now, you don't wait around and draft a rookie, and then it takes a while. Now, look, in today's climate, Deshaun Watson's a great example. Um uh, obviously, Pat Mahomes is the ultimate example. Mitch Trubisky's playing well. You can get your quarterbacks ready pretty fast. It's faster than ever before, but it's still not as fast as a guy that's been a Super Bowl MVP. There's eight quarterbacks, John, that active quarterbacks who have won a Super Bowl. There's eight of them. Well, six of them are 34 and older. The two youngest are Russell Wilson and Nick Foles, both of whom are 30. In fact, Russell's a little bit older than Nick. So this is the youngest guy with a Super Bowl ring. Uh, I'm I'm elated. I think there was a little bit of trepidation only because people here started fixating on Haskins because they thought he was the next Mahomes. But they picked seventh. They may not have gotten Haskins. So given where they were, he kind of fell in their lap a little bit. I think it's a great find for Jacksonville. I really do. Frank Frangie, voice of the Jaguars, joining us. Frank, you mentioned the defense. What about some of the issues losing guys? What do you expect next year? I know they still have a whole lot of talented players. Yeah, defensively, uh, Mark, there's not much missing around here. There really isn't. They – uh, they they think Taven Bryan 
will be as good as Malik Jackson was at least last year, if not the first year. So their front four is set. They kept Darius here. Calais Campbell and Gakwe as good an end as anybody anywhere except for maybe where you guys are. But but they're they're awfully good ends. Uh, they love the corners here. Uh, they lost to Sean Gibson. Jared Wilson will be the replacement. So that's the one they're most concerned about is not having to Sean Gibson. And then he lands in the division, which wouldn't have been ideal if you're Jacksonville. So that's the one they're concerned about. Nobody's worried about defense, though. They think the defense is special. The problem is they need a right guard. They re-signed A.J. Can. They need a right tackle. They signed this guy, Ubuihe, who's kind of flamed out in, in Cincinnati, but they're probably going to draft the guy. they got to find a tight end. They need depth at receiver. Defensively, Mark, I think this group feels like it's going to be pretty good. There's still a lot of rebuilding to do on the offensive side of the ball. One of those pieces, Frank, that they did rebuild was that offensive coordinator. And everybody, obviously, when this guy was signed, everybody thought, well, Nick Foles is automatically going to Jacksonville because John Filippo takes over there in Jacksonville. What's been kind of the – I know they haven't done a whole lot, Frank, but what's been the overall impression of John Filippo as the offensive coordinator there in Jacksonville? First of all, John, first thing you said, the minute they, the minute they hired him, we all thought, okay, now that confirms that they're making a run at Foles. He wasn't just a quarterback coach at Philadelphia. They're very close. They're very good friends. They talk a lot. So it, it made all the sense in the world. You know what? I don't think people know exactly what to think. This guy finally got a chance to be the coordinator in Minnesota, and it didn't go so well uh, last year. But I think they're pretty high on him around here. So fans don't know what to think because they haven't seen him. Uh, I think Flip's a sharp guy. Uh, he and Foles are very close. They know that what they planned before didn't work, which was hand it off to Leonard Fournette, run the ball, lead the league in rushing, throw when you have to. That's not today's NFL. And I think everybody kind of figured that out, John. They, they can't win like that. So I think they're happy with, the, with, with, with Coach Flip, Coach Flip, as they call him around here. He and Foles are very close. The key is how do they build the offense? Do they attack more? Do they play a little more? Are they out of the shotgun more? There's no RPO. That's not what Foles is. But do they – do they, do they up the tempo and the pacing? That's what we don't know, and I think that's what everybody right here kind of hopes. Frank Frangie, voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars, joining us on Texans Radio. Frank, Blake Bortles is out there. A lot of teams in the market for a backup quarterback, including the Houston Texans. What are they getting in Blake Bortles, whoever signs him? All-world good guy in the good guy Hall of Fame, Mark. Um, understands the game, has played a lot, durable as heck, tough as heck great teammate, um, a leader. I can't say enough good things about Blake Bortles, the person, Blake Bortles, the athlete, Blake Bortles, the tough guy. There's so much good. What he hasn't been is a consistent passer, and we are in the National Football League, and that's the thing. He's been erratic as a passer, and it's, don't over, I, I don't overthink it. He's a wonderful guy, wonderful in the community, tough, well-liked, respected. They loved him in that locker room because he was one tough cat, the uh, – all that you're getting all that. Uh, what you're not getting is a super accurate passer. My belief on a backup is if you're trying to win, you want a backup that can keep the can keep the the boat afloat for three or four games, right? You're not expecting him to be what Nick Foles was in Philadelphia and go win a Super Bowl. You want him to keep the boat afloat. I think I think Blake Bortles can do that just about anywhere. I'm a big Blake fan. I think the world of the kid, and uh, he needs to be a backup in the league. He's probably not a great starter in the league, but I think he's going to land somewhere and help somebody a bunch. Frank, how much did the Leonard Fournette situation impact Jacksonville last year, and how much of a focal point does he become, even with the changes they've made offensively? How important is he in 2019 going forward? Well, the first question you asked, he affected it enormously, Doc. I mean, this team was built around its running game. It was built around him. He was going to catch passes. He was going to run the ball. He was the offense. 
they were building the offense around Leonard Fournette, and then he was hurt half the year, and you know there were some there were some issues about uh, his commitment. I think everybody knows that he was stripped of the guarantees. I don't think that's uh, I think that's widely known at this point. He had to grow up. Now, how important he'll be to the offense? I've got to believe vitally important. But you don't know until you know what Coach Flip is going to do with the offense, how the offense will change. I can't believe in this day and age it's going to be built around a running game entirely. So Nick Foles is going to have a lot to do with that. But last year it was built around that. So last year not having him, whether it's healthy, fully committed, whatever the words are, not having him was vital for this team. Uh, This year he'll be very important. I do think they'll do something in free agency or the draft at running back. They made a mistake last year. They didn't give another downhill runner on the roster. Two years ago, they had Chris Ivory, who the year before had led the AFC in rushing. They signed him off the from New York, and then year two, he was the backup to Leonard Fournette. That helped them. They had two downhill runners. Last year, they only had one the whole season. They went and got Carlos Hyde. That thing was a, an abomination. Uh, they need two downhill runners, so Leonard is very important, but I think they get another guy to go with him. Frank Frangie, voice of the Jaguars, with us on Texans Radio. Frank, Two years ago, the Jags go heavy in free agency, get to the AFC Championship game. This year, the Texans, not exactly heavy in free agency. We mentioned to Sean Gibson. They signed Bradley Roby. They get Brian Body Calhoun so far, among other moves that they'll make, obviously. But your thoughts on the approach from teams who go heavy into free agency. Often it doesn't work. Sometimes it does, like it did for the Jags. What's your thought on the general philosophies? You know, Mark, that, is, that that thing's always changing, right? The league's always evolving. All that stuff is so cyclical. I think we all know it's very cyclical. Here's my belief on on, the, on team building, and I'm going to I'm going to sway or, or wander a little bit from your question, but you'll see where I'm going with this. I think you need two things in this National Football League. I think you need a really good quarterback and a competitive defense. If you have a good quarterback and a competitive defense, then you're the New England Patriots. Then you're the New Orleans Saints then you're pick your team. Good quarterback and good defense. And the reason I think the Texans are going to be hell for a lot of teams in this division, in this league for a long time, is they've had that great defense, and now they have Deshaun. The Jaguars have that, what I think is a really good defense, and now they've got Nick Foles. I think the way you're competitive. Now, how do you build it? Do you build it through the draft? Do you build it through free agency? History has told us you want to build the quarterback position through the draft, and the rest of it, however, you have to build it. But so I don't think it matters whether you go get veteran guys or whether you go get a new guy other than a quarterback. So the key is build that competitive, fast, athletic defense and have a really good quarterback on offense. Look around the league. Teams that have that combination win a lot of games. The Texans clearly have that. I think if I'm you guys, I feel very good about the direction. It's now Deshaun Watson really does have enough under his belt that he really knows how that how the game's played. The defensive guys, although getting older, are still young enough. Boy, I think if I'm the Texans, I feel pretty good about where I am right now. All right, I know you two guys are a couple of golfers, and you, and you love the golf game. And, Frank, at Sawgrass this past weekend, you guys had TPC, and you better not say the TPC because then it's redundant. Right. But you guys had TPC. How was that this weekend? John, it was great. We, you know, we moved it. It was 12, there was 12 years it was in May. It was in March for the longest time. John, you know, you used to live here. Yep. Then it was 12 years in May, then moved back to, to March. It was a magnificent turn. It was well, I worried it would, would it get lost with the basketball down the stretch in free agency. Remember, Nick Foles signed on day one of competitive player out Nick Foles was announced on Thursday, and that's the first day of the tournament. But I don't think it affected it at all. The only difference is it was kind of cold. Yesterday was about 55 degrees. 
we're used to this thing being warmer. Uh, I was out every day except yesterday because I'm a cold weather wimp. I make no mistakes about that. I like it cold. I like it hot. So I stayed in yesterday, bro. I sound like I sound like I was in Montana or something, don't I? It's 55 degrees. I act like it was 20 below. But uh, it was a beautiful. It was a wonderful tournament. Uh, they did a great. The players did just do a great job with this event. They smoothly navigated a 10 month turnaround because they went from May of last year to March of this year and did a terrific job. And we we had a blast out there. It really was. And it never hurts when Rory McIlroy wins. By the way, one of the greatest players in the world went came toe to toe with Jim Furyk, who's a local guy. So it was it was great drama and great theater. We had a big time. I just can't stand the weird putting grips of these guys. Frank, this is NFL related, <laughs> though, right? Because they moved this because they wanted to move the PGA to championship to keep it away from the National Football League in August. That that's the whole theory is the the tour wanted to change. The tour was playing, the PGA was in August, and then the tour championship, the playoffs, if you will, were in September, and they feared nobody was watching because football had started. So what they've done now is they moved the players from May back to March, so it now kind of kicks off the important tournament season. They've moved the PGA to May, so it's the players and the Masters, then the PGA, then the U.S. Open and the British Open, then the tour playoffs happen in August, the the, uh, the points championship, mm-hmm. if you will, and everything's done by Labor Day. What, they, what, the, what the tour didn't want to do is go head-to-head against the National Football League, which is smart. So they got away from it, and it'll be this way for the foreseeable future, Mark. This is the plan. Uh, players, Masters, PGA, open, open, playoffs, and then we're done and let the football people go play. So it made a lot of sense. This is kind of step one of that new uh, that new setup. You covering the NCAA tournament site in Jacksonville this weekend? We are. Will we have a uh, Thursday and a Saturday? We'll be live from various venues. But yeah, that's kind of cool. We get that about every three years, and and it's a big deal for our city. It really is. And. Uh, the good thing is, Mark, Kentucky's coming. Yep. Because Kentucky brings right at one trillion fans, right? Every, <laughs> yep. every human being in the state of Kentucky will be here. <laughs> and so when you're trying to sell tickets, this group was hoping either A, get Florida, B, Florida State, but Florida State doesn't have the following Florida does here. And if you don't get either one of those, get Kentucky. So I figure I'm excited about it. I'm excited when the tournament comes here. It's a lot of fun. You got All LSU right. there as well. Of course, they're going to get knocked off by an Ivy League team, and I could say that, you know, being yeah. one of those kinds. Yeah. So. Well, you got a, you got an LSU team that apparently bought players coming here too. So I don't know that'll. I mean, that's that's. I'm am surprised they're in the tournament. I mean, I'm surprised somebody didn't say, "Look, it looks like you paid the guy you're not in the tournament." So, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, LSU fans will be here, but not like those Kentucky fans, John. They are yep. everywhere, brother. All right, Frank. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate the time, fellas. Anytime. Great to catch up with you. Y'all take care. Up next, Johnny and I have not talked directly to each other on the air about free agency last week, how it all got started for the Houston Texans. And D.B. Sidhu comes in. We'll discuss the rest of the schedule, how free agency has affected it, how it looks now. Let's do that and more coming up on Texans Radio. It's Texans Radio. I've already ripped up my bracket because it's wrong. That's all I'm going to say about that because this is bracket week, but it's also free agency week two. We talked about golf somehow, but it was NFL related with Frank Frangie in the opening segment. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Johnny, you and I really haven't been on the air together yeah. to talk about the early part of free agency to Sean Gibson signing with the Texans, Bradley Roby, Brian Body Calhoun. That was the first week. I'm not going to call it a haul, but... That's the power trio of sightings for the Houston Texans, along with some other sprinklings, guys that they've had on the roster who I think should factor into moves you make, and they'll obviously factor into how you play on the gridiron this September. No doubt. I think 
when the when the tampering period hits, it's it's now changed. I mean, that's it was funny because that Monday I started seeing such such signs with such such signs with, and I'm like, no, they haven't signed with. They've agreed to, and it's yep. like, you know what? You're fighting a losing battle. Yeah. That, that's when free agency is starting. The tampering period starts on Monday, and uh, let's go. I mean, Trent yeah. Brown's deal was announced, I think, at at noon oh one. Twelve oh one, and it was like, well, I guess he's going to the Raiders. There you go. I know it started. It's funny. It used to. I remember uh, the signing of Jeff Posey to the Buffalo Bills. That was the first free agent the Texans ever lost. Yeah, and he was the sack leader in year one. And he signed at whenever free agency began. It might have been a midnight back then. But it was a minute in. He agreed to terms. Albert and that, Hainsworth, and same then, thing. Then they said, well, they're talking anyway. Let's have this legal tampering. Well, now they're tampering before the tampering. <laughs> what do you think they do at the combine? Yeah. That's what they're doing at the combine. They should I mean, call the, it the tampering week. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much what it is. I mean, tampering's happening. But I guess you can kind of float the, the signings out there. Uh, look, I know people will. They came in the free agency, and, and, and here was the mathematics. They had 72. Two million, roughly, in cap space, and I think, and you know, I took calls last Wednesday, and it was interesting. I, I didn't get, I didn't get too many that I thought were kind of, kind of off the wall. Like, what are they doing? Like, I mean, really venting about what the Texans had done or, or hadn't done. I, I've, I've saw more of that on social media, on Twitter in particular, and and I just kind of push back and say, look, you got you got five hundred dollars in your pocket. You just gonna go spend it? You know, you, you have in mind what you want, but you go to the store and it's not there. You're just going to spend $500 on a lesser product or something that's totally completely different just because you have the $500? No, you, you're not going to do that. And I think it's weird because I think people look at the $72 million and go, that's Monopoly money. Well, no, it's McNair's family money. Right. And they're going to spend it how Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien see fit. And so... They so they weren't able to get Trent Brown, and, and after the fact, you find out that they they did make a, a pretty strong push for Tyron. They tried to keep him, and they just they couldn't do it. Tyron decided to go to Kansas City. They made a big push for Roger Saffold. Saffold decided to go to Tennessee, but they were able to, as I pointed out on on Tuesday, they got to Sean Gibson at half half the money. Mm-hmm. That Tyron Matthew is going to make. He's not half the player. And exactly. <laughs> and so to me, it's it's about money and value management. And look, there may come a time, as we found out this year, when the Texans have got to make a deal midseason. And they made a deal midseason to go after and get Demarius Thomas. And they had the money available to be able to do that. So I'm not saying you keep all of that for a rainy day. But look, Donald Penn got released by the Oakland Raiders. Now, there's no guarantee Donald Penn is going to end up with the Texans. There's no guarantee that Donald Penn's got anything left in the tank. But what he did put on film the last couple of years when he was healthy is like, well, that's pretty good. I mean, it's Donald Penn. Right. So you just you you have to let things play out. You're not playing a game on March 18th. You're playing a game on September 8th, 9th, whatever it's going to be. So you got to let it play out. If you walk out of here and you end up with – a Donald Penn, and you and you add these three defensive backs. Now all of a sudden you go, wait a second, well, that doesn't look half bad. Right. That does, but day one you're freaking out because the Texans haven't spent like all the other teams have. If you look at the teams that are spending, which teams do you see spending? Cleveland. You see teams that have. You see teams that haven't been there, and they're trying to find that. And look, yeah. the one year that we can say that that we know for a fact where it really paid off for one year was Jacksonville. They got Boye. Yeah. They got Church and they got Campbell, 
and they hit home runs with all of them, and they were great. But then they played all right, all three of them. Church got bumped out of there, but Boye was hurt a lot of the year, and Campbell was was good last year. So, yeah, you can hit, you can hit a home run with a free agent, and that carries you through, and, hey, that's great. But a lot of teams spending the money are spending the money because they stunk. PFT did a whole thing about free agents who signed in 2015, 2016, how many are with that team they signed yep. with. They don't last long. Even the real high-priced good ones, and I'll put good in air quotes here. Yep. Look, we know, and you and I talk about this all the time, the cycle in this league is two or three years anyway. Yeah, right? exactly. Four years max. You're going to rotate most of your roster out every three or four years. My whole take on the Trent Brown thing are players like that, Juwan James to a lesser extent, but with Brown in particular, Bill O'Brien and Brian Gain are in the conference room, and they're talking, and they're asking themselves, are we going to make Trent Brown the highest-paid lineman in the history of the National Football League? The highest-paid lineman. Is that who he is? Right. And I know that numbers get overinflated, and it's market-driven, and Kirk Cousins signs for what he signed for last right. year. But you don't want to have to go there. And if you go there more than once, or even once, that could end up costing your team dearly. Big and like time. you said, you know, Brian Gain, give him some time here because you know, I, I think everyone forgets about the Demarius Thomas deal, which ultimately did not work out because of the injury, yeah, which was uncharacteristic because Thomas was so durable. Yep. But he did make a very aggressive in-season move. And I'm not saying it's all about in-season. I know you weren't either. But give him a minute here to come up with some other things that could be very interesting for this roster. They're not... They know what they need. They know what they need to do. Cal McNair said it himself. Give him a chance to work it out. Uh, and if you're paying a guy like Trent Brown money, and there, there's another guy available who's not quite as good as Trent Brown, but he's $10 million a year less, or whatever the number would be, yeah. that's something you got to take a look at. Absolutely. And Trent Brown himself might be a very unknown commodity in terms of consistency of play. So there's a lot to consider here. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. So as far as... What the Texans did, and you know Frank talked about it, and and I and I I saw it. I went back and studied a couple of games of Deshaun Gibson, and I watched him against tight ends. I watched him against Gronk. I watched that Week Two game, and there is a great shot off the broadcast. I mean, you can just go watch the broadcast. They try and throw Gronk. He's in the slot, and they try and run a slot fade. They run smash basically, so they run a hitch on the outside, draw the corner, so that gives Gronk room to work towards the corner of the end zone. And Gibson is just hand-fighting him the whole way. And how many times have we seen Gronk over the years, especially the last couple of years, just destroy our guys? Just Knock destroy guys them. off like they're Knock fleas. Gibson just stays right with them. Tom can't put the ball in the spot. I mean, it's great one-on-one coverage against a tight end. And that's what he did throughout. He did it to Ertz. He did it to Gronk. Um, he did it to Kelsey. Now, Kelsey had a big play in the game against them, but it was not – because of Gibson. Well, he's going to So, Gibson, I think, is at half the money that you're, you would have paid Tyron. You give it to Gibson. I, I just that, that, to me, is smart financial management. And then you bring in Bradley Roby. Now, Bradley would be the first one to tell you, kind of up and down at times. And there are times where he looks really good. Now, I watched two games. I watched three games. I watched the, both the Chiefs game because I wanted to see what he looked like against Tyreek Hill. It's ironic what's now happened to Tyreek, and we'll see what happens with that situation. But... I watched him against Tyreek, and I watched a couple of routes in particular in the first game, the Monday night game. Down in the end zone, the Chiefs were trying to isolate Tyreek one-on-one, and they did. They isolated him on, on Roby one-on-one. There were three different routes, and Roby stuck in his hip every time. Mahomes had to throw the ball once. 
throw it away once. He had to throw it to other guys twice. He couldn't even get it to Tyreek. Then there are moments where, against the when I watched the Rams game too, Brandon Cooks running a slant route, just boom, just gets inside of him. Not even a slant route. He's kind of running just a deep over route like, like we see Will Fuller run. Right. And Roby just he gave up the inside because he knew he had help. And then Cooks just was able to beat him to the spot. But a little while later, Cooks ran a similar route, except instead of running the deep, deep route, he ran the over route. Roby got in the same position and then darted in front and knocked the pass down. I was like, boy, that's pretty, that's pretty good. So, look, when you play that much man-to-man as they did in Denver, you're going to get beat. But I felt like watching him one-on-one leaps and bounds beyond what our guys were doing last year in one-on-one situations. And then uh, Bobby Calhoun um, is interesting because we, t- we talked about him during the Cleveland game. I've, I've been a huge fan of his since he was at Minnesota. Loved him. He's a ball magnet. He found the football. He was a ball hawk. He just made plays. I just love that. And then going and watching uh, a few games of his, trying to find what he did well, covering as a nickel inside, there's the play I did for my football 101, it stood out because if there's one game I've watched this offseason more than any other mark, it's the Philadelphia game. Yeah, And defensively, it was so frustrating to watch all the different pick and rub routes that they ran against us. And our guys would run into each other. And, look, we had a couple of guys injured in that game. And so it just the continuity was just how we covered those guys. Just Yeah, Deontay Burton was playing yeah, a ton of snaps in ab- that game. Absolutely. And, and Tyron had moved down into where Kareem was playing at the nickel. So it was just different. And guys were running into each other. And I saw that. I saw how he navigated the pick route they ran against him on a third and two late in the game. Mm-hmm. And he tackles the receiver for a one-yard loss. And I went, whoa. So he gives you a little something in coverage as well. So you've got a guy that can play in the nickel. you got a guy in Roby that's going to play in the outside, could also play in the nickel if you need him. And then you've got a, a free safety in Gibson that can rotate down and play the run. He can play in the middle of the field. He can also cover a tight end one-on-one. Ask any Texans fan this offseason, anybody, what were the problems with the Texans the last five games of the year? And they would tell you, Every single one of those things. And they've addressed them with these guys. Are they the right guys? We won't know. But at least they know, hey, look, we've got to address these things, and those are the players that they felt like were going to fit and they're going to go after. And look, Bradley Roby, one year, $10 million. It's a prove-it deal. Yeah. So Roby's got the opportunity to do you know, what Tyron did. And I think when you step back and you look at, we got one year of Tyron Matthew. It was great for the 2018 Texans. And then he got a deal to go, to go somewhere else. It was kind of win-win on both sides. So you sign the one-year deal to prove it. If Bradley just breaks the bank and the Texans are not ready to bring him back at just an astronomical number, well, you end up getting a third-round pick out of it. Yep. So like essentially, well for Tyron Matthew. what you're doing, wink, wink, is you're paying, a, you're paying for a third-round draft pick, potentially. Potentially, and results potentially. on the field in yeah. 2019. Right. All right, John Harris sticks around. We'll talk about what's going on with your Texans this offseason. Rodeo over. Guys are going to be in within a month to start the offseason conditioning program. Plus, the Texans 2019 opponents, how does the schedule look now? Again, we don't have the final schedule, but we know the opponents. How does it look now following the first wave of free agency? It's Texans Radio. At NRG Stadium in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, Mark Vandermeer with you. John Harris stays with us. D.P. Sidhu comes into the studio. How's it going, DB? It's good. I just had to push a bunch of rodeo people out of my way to get down here because the rodeo's moving out. They're and cleaning the, up. They're cleaning up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's is kinda, it sad? No, but it's kind of dirty. <laughs> no. they're, they're cleaning up is kind of dirty. There's just like a trail of dirt, uh, and then I know our people you know, here come and sweep. You know what they did that was impressive, though? What? They got all the dirt off the floor 
for Sunday's concert with George Strait. So Saturday wow. night, they oh. went right to work after that show, and they got all the dirt removed because for the George Strait concert, there was no dirt on the floor. Is George that was a straight concert? No, straight concert. No, uh, <laughs> That's good. No dirt, no rodeo festivities, oh, just, just concert only. Straight, is, straight concert. Is that yeah. the best way to end rodeo with a George Strait concert? Probably. I think it is. I saw Garth Brooks last year. That's really and good too. he opened and closed, right? And he had Trisha Yearwood on stage with him. It was pretty freaking good. I mean, Trisha Yearwood. She didn't do Walk Away George Joe. George Strait. This is don't mess with Texas. Yeah, I know. This George Strait like, was better than Garth Brooks. I, I mean, would think. Yeah. As far as far as the appropriate guy to right, end the right, rodeo right, right. with. Yeah. Mark, Mark, if you could bring any rock act to the rodeo, who would it be? Because they always bring one, a Ooh. couple of non-country. But who? Which out of the non-rock? Well, the non-country that are th- that are st- uh, the non-country that are rock that are still <laughs> that are still alive that many, are still alive. Right. All my favorite bands have too many dead people in them to yeah. really you know. The most Skinner alive. is not Leonard Skinner anymore. Right. The Allman Brothers do they even do anything without Greg Allman because he's dead? So you know, even- I'm thinking the Southern Rock. You know, I know Charlie Daniels is still alive, but he can't fill the building for the rodeo. You can't do it. Stones. Well, Rolling the Stones Stone shouldn't play the roadie. See, to me, the ro- I'm sorry. I know you don't we have think all the Cardi, 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 Cardi B in the cowboy hat. I know awesome. Cardi B kind of Cardi pulled B. It off, Cardi B she? did it. I guess so. I guess so. Something to think about. Yeah, you got to listen to some younger, more alive bands. More alive yes. bands. I mean, less that's, dead. That's the less goal. Dead. Less dead. <laughs> less dead. Less people. dead bands. music. Great. What's left of the Grateful Dead? Bob Weir, Phil. Le- I don't know. Whoever. Okay. What do you got here? By the way, before we get to what the Texans are up to. Yes. How does the schedule change with some of the free agency moves that have taken place in the division? Has Jacksonville changed? Oh, yes, they have. Yeah. They have Nick Foles now, quarterback. You're going to see him twice. Okay. I, I'm going to say this because I vented the DP when you got on the air about this. And we had Frank on earlier. You know how much I love Frank. And I know they should be excited about Nick Foles. Yeah. But I think Frank pointed it out, too. and You could hear it in his voice. There's still trepidation because What's they don't him? write – Right. Think about what Nick Foles was throwing to when we saw him in December. Yeah. He was throwing out of the backfield to Darren Sproles. Yeah. He was throwing to Alshon Jeffrey. He's throwing to Nelson Aguilar. He's throwing to the best tight end in the game in Zach Ertz. Yep. Who's he throwing to in Jacksonville? Yeah, it's a luxury car. He was operating so, in Philly, and Wentz operated right. it very well, and so did Foles. And Foles was able to win a Super Bowl with it. And look, if Alshon Jeffrey hangs on to a late-game pass against the Saints, they might be getting to the NFC Championship game. Bingo. So how about that? Exactly. I mean, Foles is real good. I get it. But you're right, Johnny. The supporting cast might not be there. How about Denver? I saw a picture that Denver had put the, – the Broncos put on their Instagram of Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's just going to be so weird to see Flacco in orange. It is weird. And not purple. But how different yeah. you know, are the Broncos going to look this year? Yeah, they're going to look Especially with different. Kareem over there. Kareem well, in orange Fangio, is very weird, too. Vic Fangio And coaching. Vic Fangio. I think what Flacco has that he didn't have the last couple of years in, in Baltimore was with Philip Lindsay. And then beyond him, Royce Freeman, they've got a running game. But they better protect Flacco, too. Yeah. And that was not something that they were doing last year with Case Keenum. They did not do that very well. At least Case could get out of the pocket. But they didn't have to, happen. right. He can scramble a little he bit. He could move a little bit. They needed to, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. And they've got to do a better job of that if Denver thinks that it's going to take, it's going to take that next step. I think Oakland gets very intriguing with Antonio Brown, obviously, yeah. being added to the mix. Going, going down the field, being vertical. I mean, Derek Carr... You know, ends up getting some weapons out in Oakland. And I'm forgetting who the other – they signed another receiver out in Oakland, and I'm trying to remember who that is. And it's drawn a blank on it. But the Raiders the Raiders have made some moves, but where I think the Raiders still are going to struggle. Now, they signed LaMarcus Joyner as a safety, but 
they're still young up front. Now, they've got a lot of draft picks. It's going to be a young defense. I'd rather catch these guys now because in a year or two, if they draft well in this draft like they should on the defensive side of the ball, I think the Raiders could end up being pretty salty again. But it all comes back to what's Derek Carr going to do with all of his new weapons and toys. I think so. Uh, back to Flacco for a moment. If you're Denver, how do you really feel about this if you're a Bronco fan, media member? How do you really feel about Flacco coming to Denver? I mean, I would be excited. You're, you're trying to squeeze the last drops <laughs> out of whatever he's got in his career. You know, not every. I think what happens is, and Flacco's had this eternal, it's the comedy debate of is Joe Flacco elite? He won a Super Bowl. He was playing really well for a long time. He made the playoffs the first five years of his career. Won a playoff game in each of those seasons, at least one playoff victory. So he had some accomplishments there. But lately, it hasn't been as pretty. There have been moments, and I'm just wondering how the Broncos really feel about this. It, it would not excite me that much. I'd still want to see a young player coming well, in. Well, what if they still draft you. a quarterback, and then they have Flacco there, and you I just have somebody. Good. And then I'd be excited about that situation, because I think it's a little bit more stable than what they've had ever since Peyton Manning retired. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I JJ think with Nelson, Flacco. is that who you're talking about? With no, the Tyrell Williams. Okay. So they signed Tyrell Williams, and they signed Antonio Brown. And then they signed Trent Brown at left tackle. Mm-hmm. They significantly significantly improved that offense. Now, offense was not always the problem last year. It was could they stop anybody? So we'll see what they end up doing. But I, I'm Mark. I'm with you on the Flacco situation. When I saw that trade. I was like, okay. Like I, I didn't. It didn't phase yeah. me. Like, oh great, we get to face Flacco. I don't mind facing guys like Nick Foles. And Joe Flacco with this defense because you know where that guy is going to be, be every <laughs> drop. Every yep. pass drop, you know he's going to be at that spot. X marks the spot where Watt, Clowney, whomever can find you. All right. That we got to take advantage of. What about his former team? They're on the schedule. The Ravens, you're going up there to play in Baltimore, and they've got some key losses. You know, you could talk about, oh, they've got this young, hot quarterback and everything. But they lost some guys. They lost C.J. Mosley. They lose Eric Weddle they're off a good defense. So, Suggs. Um, yes, yeah, Suggs. I want to see how they perform on that side of the football. Zadarius Smith, too. Zadarius oh, was yeah. a sneaky pass rusher. I thought he was really good. Look, they still have Matt Judon. I think he's going to take a bigger role coming off the edge. But now he's the focus. He, Judon could always get away with the fact that Suggs was on the other side Whereas Darius was on the other side, they were going to get some attention, and Junon was going to go one-on-one, and that's how he won a lot. But he becomes the guy for them defensively. With no C.J. Mosley, boy, that's going to be trouble. And look, if Lamar doesn't take steps to improve his passing and they continue to be one-dimensional running the football, it could be tough. I mean, it could be tough. But they add Mark Ingram, they add Earl Thomas. So how much those guys still have in the tank, we'll find out. But also last year, he sort of – jumped into the mix during the season. Now with the whole offseason, I wonder how different that offense is going to look. They, well, won't, I, they won't have to run him as much, right? They'll well, have a Greg little Roman, bit more time. Greg Roman's taken over, who is the offensive coordinator with the 49ers when Cap was there, when Kaepernick was there. So I still think you're going to see some or a lot of the same elements, but you're going to see wrinkles off of them, and the wrinkles are going to be the passing game. But he's got to improve. Look, he's got a couple of young tight ends to throw to. I, I think they're going to be pretty difficult, but I guarantee you this, Foles and Flacco – I'll face them a hundred times before I face Lamar Jackson. Or how about the Browns? Thank goodness that we don't play the Browns Thank this God. year because you kidding me? how <laughs> everybody's like everybody's afraid to face the Browns. Well, because, a, you don't want to lose to the Browns, but second of all, they've really made some moves this offseason. And Baker Mayfield, we saw what he could do last year. That's, well, that's phenomenal, though, that we're even saying that. It's we don't want to face them. Good for Cleveland. them. <laughs> I, I, I'm not ready to go there. I know that Cleveland 
they produced some yardage here in the Thank second you. half. They okay, did. they did. They did. But they had some drops. Defensively, I'm still not sold. I'm still not sold defensively. Look, Miles Garrett is going to be a really good pass rusher. I get that. And they added Olivier Vernon. But, but they traded Peppers. But they, they traded Peppers the secondary, which they didn't want to, but they had to to get OBJ. So now they're down a first-round pick, and I still think they've got some issues, and they've, they've lost Jamie Collins. So I don't know how good Cleveland right now is going to be defensively. I think Cleveland is going to get better by the time we would face them in the playoffs. Right. I think they would be okay. But I don't think they're fantastic. One of the hosts on NFL radio said that, oh, the Browns fans will be super disappointed if they don't go to the Super Bowl. I'm thinking wow. the Browns fans are not that <laughs> stupid, okay? Give them a little respect. They've been following a losing team forever. They'll be happy to get into the playoffs and win a playoff game. I don't think your expectations can be any higher than that. I would not, If I'm Cleveland, I would not have made the deal for OBJ. Would not have done it. In fact, my in-laws are Giants fans. Because they're all from New York. And How are they feeling? They, my father-in-law was really upset they traded OBJ. I said, listen, listen, Steve. They got a king's ransom for OBJ. You should be thrilled. As a Giants fan, you should be thrilled about this. Do you got a one and a three and a starting safety? Are you kidding? But they're also talking about Eli Manning as they're as continuing along with Eli well, Manning. Well, to that to that point, but I, you, I don't know if that's a smokescreen. Though I think I there, I think that. there are two. Th- well, number one, their actions say that it's not. Their actions are all saying, well, right now. I was giving you the benefit of the doubt. Now, they might go Dwayne Haskins at number six if Haskins is still there in the draft. They could do that. They should do that, shouldn't they? I don't don't know about that. But point being, if you're going to – here's my thing. You had the opportunity last year to trade OBJ. Why didn't you trade him last year when you didn't have to pay him and then take a cap hit? You're taking a $21, $21 million cap hit this year. After trading him, now you're getting a first back, and you know it's a, it's a good first. It's 17, but why pay him? I, I just don't understand why. If you're if you, I know that no NFL GM wants to say they're in teardown mode, but you have to recognize where you are with Eli Manning and oh man, OBJ. That's not going to be the right fit. You got you got rid of Snacks Harrison. You got you're not signing Landon Collins. It's like one. It's like one side of your brain is making decisions and the other side is then, well, no, we want to do this. And so it's like there's, it's like two things are going on. It's like they should have just gone all in. Look, we're going we're gonna to tear this thing down quickly and build it back up. Eli's dumb. We're drafting a quarterback or we're getting a young mm-hmm. quarterback. OBJ, we're trading him. Snacks, we're trading him. Landon Collins, we're not signing him. I mean, all these, all these various things that could have happened, but it's kind of like they're half-step. It's like we're going to do these things. But then we're going to continue on this way. It's like it just doesn't it doesn't jive. Yeah, they're not all in just yet. But I wonder if once they draft a quarterback and if Eli continues down the path that he was on last year, then it's the same thing that happened with Baltimore last year. So I'll say you this: have the young guy so, take over. So here's here's my suggestion. I had suggested this a few months ago, and let's see if you agree with me now because I think the price would be cheaper. The Arizona Cardinals say we'll give you a two for Josh Rosen. You get out of the 2018 draft, Barkley and Rosen, and that's your future. For a two, you get Josh Rosen to learn behind Eli Manning. You doing it? Yes or no? I, I think uh, uh, yes or no? No. Oh. In a second. <laughs> yes. In a second exactly. of doing that. But what that. if Josh Rosen's not their guy? Well, it, it, they have to evaluate him to be their guy, obviously. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, but I, I'm assuming that Haskins is more their guy than Rosen because I feel like you, uh, always, feel, you always think the ceiling is higher with the guy I that you I think with seen, Rosen, right? Rosen, gets, Rosen gets a really bad rap for being the smartest guy in the room kind of thing. I think Rosen gets a really bad rap for that. 
he's worth a two, especially a two. if you feel like you can't draft with your first round picks. Right. You can't finagle You're at some six. sort of There's deal. No guarantee Haskins is going to be there, right? Well, but you can trade up with your picks. Good. But I'd is rather, he worth it? I'd I mean, rather I, get my guy, that's whoever question. I want. At least I've got tape on Rosen in the NFL, right? And with a bad team, so. But he did some things. You know, it wasn't great, but he did some things that would make you feel like he's definitely worth a second round pick. The point is this you have picks to maneuver now if you're the Giants. Boy, we're getting into these teams that the Texans <laughs> don't even play. What about the NFC South, though? Because they do play the NFC South. And any seismic moves there, you're not going to have to see Ryan Fitzpatrick coming off the bench for Tampa Bay or filling in for Jameis Winston. No, I, I don't know. I mean, Arians made a couple of moves. I mean, Deion Buchanan, linebacker, goes there from Arizona, played for Arians. He goes to Tampa Bay. You know, the Saints losing Mark Ingram. I, I, I'm curious to see how that, that plays because Ingram and Kamara had a really nice tandem together. Yeah, I wish they lost Kamara. Yeah, the Panthers lost Thomas Davis, and they, they kind of knew that was coming. He goes yeah. to the L.A. Chargers, but... I don't know if there's anything That's earth-shattering. That's a huge deal there. No. I mean, but Funch just goes to the Colts from the Panthers. So um, the Panthers did – oh, the Panthers signed Matt Paradis, um, yeah. which is going to be pretty interesting because he broke his leg against us. Um, when, uh, when Case got sacked, he broke his leg, and so he signed a massive deal. He signed for a center. I was like, whoa, he got paid. So that's that's one, but – yeah, look, it's a center. You don't Isn't the NFC mind. South the most Jekyll and Hyde type of division in the NFL really over the good? last eight years or so? <laughs> or really ever since Cam Newton's been in the league? Because you've had Atlanta look really good and then bad for a while. Then they go to a Super Bowl and they blow 28-3 to and then yeah. not so much, uh, not so hot anymore, lose to Philly and then what happened last year. Then you look at New Orleans up and down, you know, won a Super Bowl in 09 and uh, then kind of bottomed out for a while. Uh, after going to the Greenbrier. Hmm, interesting. You don't then, think Bruce Arians is going to make a big difference in Tampa Bay, uh, though, could, being there? I feel like, I feel like that's a, a wild card. He'll make there. a difference, but it's just a if matter he can of get how James, big. But get, to get Jameis back on track. Well, that, that's, that's the whole key. It was I feel like there's like, still something We kept there. saying that about Jacksonville. Like, oh, you know, Jacksonville can get Bortles on track. Boy, Jacksonville would be good if they can get him on track. I think Winston's got more natural ability, but the, that's that's even more of the problem is you've got to harness more of that. you got to take – I mean, Jameis – Jameis is – that is a problem, child. Bruce Arians has got his hands full. When he went to Arizona and he got Carson Palmer, like Carson was, he was at least he was polished. Arians made him better. Jameis Winston is this wild colt that he's got to try and break all the bad habits of and get a good season out of, which may not be this year. I think what happens in Tampa Bay is early on they struggle. I want to catch Tampa Bay early. I think they'll struggle early. But then they'll start to kind of find it, and I think Tampa Bay's offense will then kind of take off from mm. there. All right, DP, what about the Texans? What are they up to? Because the rodeo's over, like we said. In about a month, off-season conditioning begins. But I know the guys are working out, doing their things, kind of out and about town, but out and about the countryside as well. Yeah, you see guys on – well, I do likes and stuff every week, so you see guys working out. Vincent Smith running drills, and, you know, obviously Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins are out and about. They're traveling. They're also working out. Lamar Miller working out. Uh, Justin Reed is back at Stanford, both working out and taking classes in management science and engineering. And I want to promote the 53, a Texans TV yep. production. It's coming out on Wednesday. You'll see a little sneak peek of it tomorrow on Houston Texans. I got to watch the whole thing. It's really, really good. I did watch it, and I played some of the comments by David Shaw, the head coach of Stanford, about Reed Wasn't and about that so the other Stanfordites on this Texans roster. Yeah. Well, He's quite one few. of my favorite interviews David ever. Shaw? Ever. Oh, you had him at the Bear I had him at the Bear Bryant Awards over the years. I mean, he is one of the absolute best. And I love, I love when he comes. And every time that he's a finalist, 
finalists have they have to uh, commit to coming. Yeah. And so whenever we call within literally within five minutes every time, he's like, look, you just tell me when I'm a finalist and I'm there. Oh, that's he really lo- great. He loves coming. It's, great it's guy. Fantastic. Knows the NFL really yep. well. All right, Very that's well. all the time we have for today. How about that? It just zoomed by. Just zoomed on by. All Hopefully right. the offseason does too. <laughs> yes, let's get right <laughs> let's get back right to, to the it. Season. Check out HoustonTexans.com for all the videos, articles, info about your team. Download the app and check out Texans 360. I almost forgot the name of the show. Saturday night's 11 o'clock on ABC 13. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.